my wife and I, uh, we've been singing a long time, ministering the gospel a long time. And uh, the Lord has allowed us. He said, if you be faithful, I will bring you before great men. No, I'm good. I'm good. And uh, in the 14 years that we were traveling full-time ministry, the Lord allowed us to travel as far west as California, as far east as Russia, ministering the gospel. God has allowed us to be with a lot of great ministers, a lot of great evangelists, not, and some not so great. The ones that we think that represents Christendom. We've seen them on stage and we've seen them backstage. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. But God is still on the throne. He's still on the throne. I just want to encourage you for just a couple of minutes. There is a prophetic word that God has given to his people. It's found in the book of Amos. I'm going to read it. It's a prophetic word that was given to Amos. It's a prophetic word on worship and why we worship. It says, in Amos, the ninth chapter, the 11th and the 12th verse, Amos prophesied that in that day I will restore the fallen, I will restore David's fallen tent, or as we refer to it as the tabernacle of David. I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be so that they may possess. The tabernacle of David was a place that represented true worship to every believer. We also know that in biblical history that it was also the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. In the tabernacle of David, Around the clock, 24 hours, seven days a week, 12 months a year, 365 days, year after year after year, praise and worship was offered up in the tabernacle of David. But I want to say to you, Calvary, as you go out this summer, I want to concentrate on the last five words. Of that passage which says so that they may possess worship was never created to give you a euphoric feeling some people will come to praise and worship service they'll get caught up in the music they'll get caught up in the dance They'll get caught up in the lifting of hands and they will get caught up in the euphoric feeling that it brings. But that was never God's purpose for praise. Not his purpose for worship. It's so that they, the people of God, may possess. And I want to say today in this house, 
whether it be as the church or even in your own individual life. When it seems like the enemy has come in like a flood. I get a little emotional uh, right about now, especially now. I've spoken this many times, but seeing my friend Jeanette Hernandez here. When the enemy comes in like a flood and has wreaked havoc on your life, sing. If I had to give the title a message, that would be the title. Sing. In the second book of Chronicles, the 20th chapter, the story of the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Very familiar passage of scripture. The armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir have collectively come together to wage war against Jehoshaphat, the people of Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. And the word comes to Jehoshaphat that a great mighty army has come in to take the possession that God had given them as an inheritance. These were three armies, the Bible says, if you read the scripture, I won't read it, but uh, you can read along because I, I know this by, by heart. These were three armies that because of the mercy of Jehoshaphat, God did not strike dead. They were not destroyed. And the way they come to repay God's goodness and his mercy and his grace towards them is to take a possession that did not belong to them. The Bible says that when the word came to Jehoshaphat, he feared and he sought help from the Lord. Because he understood that his victory was not going to be through military strategy. It was not going to be won by his possessions and his money and his wealth and his education and his pedigree. He understood that he had to seek help from the Lord. And as Pastor Victor said it earlier today, a lot of times we want to rely on our education. We want to rely on our pedigree. We want to rely on things to get us out of situations. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat declared a fast all throughout Judah and Jerusalem to seek help of the Lord. The word says that, I believe it was around the 20th verse, or 19th or 20th verse, I believe it might. It says that 
the word of the Lord came to him and Jehaziel was part of the Levitical priesthood stood in the midst of the congregation and prophesied to Judah, Jerusalem and to Jehoshaphat he said on tomorrow go out and face the army but you'll have no need to fight for the battle is not yours but God's if I could put myself in the place of Jehaziel this afternoon I would say to the man of this house Pastor Victor Nasario to the congregation of Calvary Christian Fellowship in this year 2012 if you have not already experienced it, I'm pretty sure that you have because you don't need to have a prophetic word dropped on you to realize to be in a room with this many people, somebody is going through something. Don't need a prophetic word for that. I would say to this congregation, there are some Ammons. There are some Moab. There are some Mount Seers. And these three armies, what they represented was conflict. Tomorrow, I would say to this congregation, as you go out, as you go throughout your day, as you go throughout your work week, as you go throughout your educational time, whatever it is, Whatever the enemy has thrown in your way, go out and face it. But you'll have no need to fight. My brother, before you spoke it, before it was birthed in your spirit, God had given you the victory. The victory is already won. And the Lord would say to you, don't be motivated or don't be sidetracked by the things that you might see. I've already given you the victory. Go out and face the army. Just lift your voice and sing. Some years ago, my wife and I, uh, we left New York and we moved to California because there was some ministry opportunities that were opening up for us. And this was around 1990, I believe. It was about 1990, 1991. And we lived in California for about a year. And we were part of a ministry called Victory Outreach which has a, used to have a church here in the Bronx, but I know they have a church in Manhattan. Uh, the pastor's name, I'm, I, I know you, you know him, Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, because I know he's been to Brooklyn Tabernacle many times. He was our senior pastor while we were living in California. And I remember we were doing a street meeting in Compton, California, in East Los Angeles. Around that time was around the time, for those that are around my age, around the time of the Rodney King incident with the L.A. police. And coming from New York City, I thought I've seen everything. But I remember as we were there in that 
on that vacant lot, and we're getting ready to set up and do ministry and give out food and clothes for the homeless and begin to minister and do street work. I remember that a rival gang in that area did not want us on their turf. And they came to claim their territory. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Now, I wish I could stand there and tell you that I stood with my feet firmly planted and in the name of the Lord got myself together and said, Thus saith the Lord, you will not take this territory. I wish I could tell you that. I'm going to be very transparent with you. Fear gripped my heart. But the Lord said to me, if you will minister and sing, I'll change the atmosphere. In 1997, I suffered a heart attack living back here in New York. Sorry, 95. Suffered a heart attack. And the doctors did not give me much hope. They rushed me to Lincoln Hospital. Lord help me. Lord help me. And from 8 o'clock, uh, from 11 o'clock that night till 8 the next morning, they would run tests on me. I, I, my blood pressure was so high, the doctor said I should have had a massive stroke. I should have died. In 2000, 1999, I'm sorry, 1999. I'm having them senior moments too, uh, Pastor. I, I take ginkgo biloba when I remember to take it. In 1999, my wife was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And I remember taking her to the hospital that day, which happened to be Lincoln Hospital. And I remember as they were prepping her, the Lord said, go out to uh, WWDJ when it was a Christian music station. And I went out there and I was on the air with uh, Brother George Flores. And we literally had the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area praying for my wife. In those three circumstances, the Lord just said, I called you to be a worshiper. I didn't call you to get a rush from standing in front of large crowds and singing. But I called you to be a worshiper. As we stood in that lot in East Los Angeles and we began to sing unto the Lord, we literally saw the hearts of many of those gang members melt. So much to the point that when we gave the altar call, because if you know anything about gangs, you don't get out. You get out in a pine box. Many of them, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, 
came to the altar, laid their weapons before the Lord, and raised the banner of Christ. To the day that many of them to this day are pastors in Victory Outreach. When I was laying there on that gurney, not knowing what the situation was going to be, not knowing what the outcome was going to be, I wish I could tell you that I was fearless, but I was fearful. I heard the voice of the enemy say to me, your life, your ministry, it's over. Throw in the towel. I got you right where I want you. And I started singing that song that we sing throughout our churches all throughout America. You know the song, I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. When the doctors came and gave me the report, they said at this particular time, Mr. Dorman, we don't know exactly what we're going to do. But like I said, my blood pressure was so high, I should have had a massive stroke. But all I could think to do in my spirit was sing, I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. I worship you, Almighty God, for there is none like you. In the middle of the worship, it must be about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, my wife couldn't be with me at that particular moment. She had to be in the waiting room. The blood pressure that the doctors could not regulate. Doctors had not given my wife much hope. She laid there. She went through the operation, but because of worship, because she is a woman of God and believes in the God of healing. As you can see, when the doctors and when man said no, God said, Yes. I went to see her in recovery that night. And when she was laying as I walked into recovery, she looked up at me. I said, honey, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. We have New York, New Jersey area, Connecticut area praying for you. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes. And said, honey, how does my hair look? <laughs> Can you get me a mirror?
Ah, come on, the truth will set you free. <laughs> the Bible says that as they went out, now on the 21st verse, it said, now after he had consulted with the people, after Jehoshaphat had consulted with the people, he sent out singers before the army to praise God in the beauty of holiness. The Bible says that as they went out singing, now if you stop and think about it, you're a military man. Where's the young lady who also was in the military? Now, you have to stop and think with our minds. That doesn't make much sense. You, you, you mean to tell me that I'm under attack. I, I'm, I'm, my job is about to be X'd out. I'm about to be released from my job. I'm, I, I, I'm, the doctors are giving me a bad report. Uh, I'm walking in the streets and, and, and someone comes to attack me and, and, and you want me to give a concert. Aren't you glad that we serve a God? His ways are not our ways. It doesn't make sense. If it were me, I would have had the infantry, the artillery. I would have had everything out on the front lines. But God said no, because this is not going to be a victory of military strength. You see, we will never be able to defeat the enemy with this. We'll never be able to defeat the enemy with this. We'll never be able to defeat him with what we think that we have and who we think we are. But we defeat him in praise and worship. Jeanette, you have blessed me so much with your testimony. I just want you to know that you blessed me so much. She's an example of what God can do in the worst of conditions. You blessed me, girl. You blessed me. And my wife. You blessed us both. The Bible says that as they went out and they began to sing, the Bible says that the Lord set up ambushments, ambushments against the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. The Bible says that as they began to sing, they turned on one another. That is a nugget, saints of God. You, we don't understand what the power of praise and worship can do when we're faith. Not when things are good. Not when we're living in the land of plenty and everything is going all right. But, but, but as Bishop Ezra, you, my, my, my former a bishop used to say, he wants to see if you can stand by the stuff, if you can still worship, if you can still raise your hands, if you can sing, if you can still cry, if you can still open your mouth and worship God, despite what you see, despite what you feel, despite what you think, Can you stand by the stuff, Bishop, as you say, can you stand by the stuff when things are not well, when all hell has broken loose on your life? Can you stand by the stuff? 
Moab looked at Ammon and said, you look like the people of Judah, which we all know the Judah means. Judah means. All right, I got some Bible-believing people in here. They turned on one another. Ammon looked at Moab and he said, look, you look like the people of Judah. And they turned on one another. Now, the Bible does not specifically say what happened, but I believe, this is, this, this is the book of Daryl now. <laughs> I believe that in that particular time, and in that time of worship, in that time of praise, I believe that he confused, God confused their language. That's what I believe. He confused their language. He confused their strategy. I believe back in, I think it was in the Vietnam War, as they would come in, as the American armies would come in, and they would uh, attack a, a, a village, and they'd come in by helicopter. If I remember correctly, what they would do is they would set two huge speakers on either side of the helicopter, and they would play this and they said when they heard when the enemy heard the music they scattered they knew that they were defeated it was time to take cover the power of worship so Whatever it is that you're going through today. Whatever you're facing when you have to leave here. You'll have no need to fight. I'm telling you, sure as I'm standing here bald-headed and black. You're going to face some ammons this year. You're going to face some difficulties. No, I, I'm just being real. I'm, I'm, I'm home. I'm not one of those, you know, pastor knows me. He knows I'm crazy. And I feel like I let my hair down, so to speak, because I'm amongst family. I'm amongst family. I feel comfortable here. You're going to face some difficulties if you have not already. And God wants to know. At the time when it seems like the enemy has come against you, you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. He wants to know, can you still stand, sing, and worship me? Not so that you can feel good. Not so that you have this euphoric experience of praise and worship and seeing the dancers and the singers and the tambourine and the organ and the piano and the guitars and the drums. No. I've given you praise. I've given you worship for a reason so that you may possess. Sounds cliche. I know we use it in church terminology to take back what the devil has stole. But it's never a truer word was said. I'm tired of the enemy taking my stuff. And I told him years ago, enough is enough is enough. And he had not let up one bit. It's the truth. Has not let up one bit. But I'm not worried. 
worried because I have an anchor. I have a song. How about you? Do you have a song today? <laughs>